1: Welcome to the Better Than Before show. This is Tony Richards, and uh, here we are, everybody, in this, in the middle of this uh, coronavirus stuff that we've been dealing with here for a few days now. And you know, there's an old proverb that says, "May you live in interesting times." Well, we certainly do, and we are right now. And you know, I just want to share with you that I'm personally so thankful. And full of gratitude that we have all these various ways to communicate with each other. You know, just a few years ago, we couldn't communicate the way that we do today. Like this podcast, for example. And through some of the um, telecommunications options we have. Like Zoom and GoToMeeting and just the internet in general. And we can use all these tools to stay connected. We can use these tools to provide support and encouragement for each other. I mean, I won't lie to you. I'm, I'm really disappointed that the NCAA basketball tournament was canceled. But you know what? It'll be back next year. And I'm disappointed that some high school graduations have been postponed or even pushed way back. You know, I, I think as I reflect on it, even though right now I don't have anyone in my friends or family circle going through it, but I think about families who are going to have very small funeral crowds for their loved ones. And in some places, they won't be able to have the funeral at all. And it's especially tragic because people need hope. They need love. They need encouragement during a time like that. I mean, this uh, coronavirus thing will pass and we will move on. But it's difficult when you have someone taken away from you uh, all of a sudden and you never really You don't get to have that event that we call a funeral where people are allowed to show up and show you how much they love you and how much they care about you and how much respect they had for the person who's passed on. So I just want to tell you that if you were part of a gathering that was planned, like a graduation party or a wedding or or maybe even one that was unplanned, like a funeral or something like that, find a way to show your support to the people who really need it at this time. And the thing to keep in mind is that this is a natural world, which means in this natural world, nothing lasts forever. Good times don't last and bad times come. and Bad times don't last and good times come. Viruses and pandemics break out. We get solutions for them and they pass, only to have another version hit later on. If the sun is shining today, it could rain tomorrow. If it's raining today, the sun might come out. Everything in this natural life and in this natural world is temporary. It cycles through. And yeah, I'm not happy about my investments right now. I don't like looking at my portfolio. But you know what? This too shall pass, just like everything. And that's how I keep my hope and relentless positivity going every single day. Coming up on the Better Than Before show, my guest today is Jennifer Henry, and you're going to want to hear this story. She's a hairstylist. She is a bodybuilding uh, show participant. She is a mindset coach, and she's going to be joining us from Riverside, California today. And if you think things can't change, you need to listen to her story. And I'm really thrilled to be able to bring it to you today. Business people are working overtime these days trying to figure out their next moves in this turbulent time. I'm going to have some suggestions for things that you need to be thinking about and things you need to be doing in your business today, and that'll be coming up in segment three. But coming up right now on the Better Than Before show, Jennifer Henry is next, and Better Than Before is brought to you by University Subaru. You can join us for the Subaru A Lot to Love event going on now, University Subaru homegrown and proud of it.
2: The 2020 Subaru Forester. The SUV for all you love. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive plus 33 miles per gallon. Standard eyesight driver assist technology. A spacious and comfortable interior. The best SUV for all you do.
0: Join us for the Subaru a lot to love event going on now. University Subaru. Homegrown and proud of it. dealer for details. Are you working twice as hard, but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished, but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control, but that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards, your host, and joining me today is my good friend Jennifer Henry. She's joining us live from Riverside, California. She's 35 years old. She's in her 10th year of lifestyle recovery. We're going to talk more about that. Ten years ago, she had to make some serious decisions. She says she had to keep digging her own grave or to choose life, and she decided to choose life. Ever since she has been on a journey of healing and transformation since that day, she owns two businesses today, she owns her home, and she has loving, healthy relationships with her fiance, her friends, and family, but most importantly, she has a great healthy relationship with herself. She's found a healthy balance with all the important things in her life. She set boundaries to keep that balance in place and to hold herself accountable for her own decisions every single day. She finds her Purpose today and helping others to find their purpose. And she has the pleasure of helping her clients find the best version of themselves in mind, body, and spirit. She says, without purpose, without direction, we end up being lost. And we don't have to live like that today. Even in these times of chaos and uncertainty, we can choose life. And she has chosen a better life for herself. She's become a mindset. Uh, shift expert, and that's primarily what I want to talk to you about today. Jennifer, how are you?
2: Wow! A- after an introduction like that, um, you know, I know that I sent that to you for you to read, but reading it back, I'm like, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that is. I mean, it's a great description. How did I do? It's <laughs> a very elegant way of saying it, though.
1: <laughs> okay. Good. Well, I'm glad I did well by you. So you you recently posted a a, a Facebook video that I want to talk about. But first, how uh, you live in Riverside, California. That's right outside LA, right?
2: Right, about an hour.
1: Yeah. And so the West Coast, I believe is is that where the coronavirus kind of showed up in America first?
2: You know, I feel like New York was, I think, one of the first, but California was also one of the first, Southern California, because, well, anywhere where it's really densely populated and there's a lot of contact, um, closer neighbors, then you're going to have more exposure.
1: Yeah. Well, I know, especially, I think, in Washington State and Oregon, uh, California, there's a lot of early breakouts of the virus. And we just had our first confirmed case here in Columbia this past week. And uh, unfortunately, the first case passed away. And um, we've had other confirmed cases in Cole County and several since then. But, you know, I think this is a time where people really have to take control of the mind and their thinking. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on today because your story is so awesome. Uh, and, and how you turned things around for yourself, um, in, in difficult times. You know, I was wondering, were you born and have you lived your whole life in California? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, you can probably tell I'm from the South by uh, ever so slight accent, but, um, I was wondering because in your video, it made me laugh because you said I could go down any number of critter holes. And I thought critter holes, that sounds like somebody from the South, but I think she's from California. So, well, I did
2: grow up on a ranch with horses, but it was Southern California.
1: Yeah. Now, here's a more serious thing that I picked up from your video. You said, and, and I quote, these are your exact words, I've been there, I did drugs, I was homeless, and I did go to prison, and I did live on the streets because I was not Okay because I was so scared to live my life and I was too scared to kill myself I was doing I was doing suicide on the installment plan that's really powerful
2: the work I do today I'm so blessed to be able to do because of what I've been through and I just did a I just did a video this morning right before I jumped on with you because my mind's been going crazy thinking about the conversation that you and I are gonna have to right now mm-hmm. And I, I got on and I posted on my, on my stories and I just said, you know what, like you guys, this is literally what I've been made for. And this is literally what I've gone through everything that I've gone through. This is what I was in training for. And it's like, I remember what it was like to not be okay in my own skin. I remember when I felt like the world was falling apart. I remember when I felt like I was so lost that I had no idea who I was, what I wanted to be, what was expected of me, who expected what of me, um, what my, I had no idea what my own beliefs were, let alone who I was in that, in this world, you know? Um, and. And I remember there's, um, you know, and I, I post on stories as well, like, you know, whether or not you believe in the Bible or whatever you believe in, the Bible has been written and it's a book. And in Philippians 4.12, it says, you know, just before 4, 4, 4.13, or it says, you know, you can do anything through through Christ. But before that, it says, you know, I've had everything and I've had nothing and I've learned how to be okay with or without. Right. And I feel like that's, that was my training. Like I grew up, I had a horse ranch, I had everything I ever wanted in life and I didn't want any of it. Cause I didn't care about it. Cause I, I didn't have to earn it. I didn't appreciate it. I mean, there's a story, there's another story in the Bible just like that. Right. And I'm using it for reference for those that, that have read it. Right. The story is uh, Ecclesiastes. There's a, there's a son who was born and with all the dad has all this stuff, right? There's all this stuff and it's just come so easily. And the son's like, eh, whatever, you know what I mean? I don't really care. And you know, that's me. That was how I was brought up. Like I didn't appreciate what I had, and I threw it all away. I, I didn't know what any of it meant. I didn't know what I was. I didn't, you know. And that's kind of like where I feel like everyone's falling apart right now. Everyone's like, Oh my God, if I'm not this, who am I? Mm-hmm. And it's like you get the opportunity right now to decide and to recreate that and to figure out who you are and why you're here. Because I'm going to tell you right now, it's not, you know, if you're not okay in your own skin right now, if you're losing your mind right now, you're not where you need to be. <laughs> right? I mean, can I, you know?
1: yeah you bet tell me about some of the mental health issues that you've been diagnosed with and that that you've dealt with
2: so real young, right real young um, they called me manic depressive bipolar and they started putting me on medication for that like thirteen years old-ish right um started taking me to therapy trying to figure out what was wrong with me I was a spoiled brat I had no emotional regulation that was wrong that was what was wrong with me um I was a social butterfly and so i I was so to give a little background on what had happened, like everyone went, like, what happened? Like you're this good girl, you had all this stuff, like what happened? Well, I was too smart for my own good. Um, I, I went from private school to public school from sixth to seventh grade. And in seventh grade, all of a sudden, all this stuff was like fourth grade review for me. And so I was bored out of my mind. So I would go hang out in the bathrooms. And what happens? You hang out with other, the other people that were hanging out in the bathrooms weren't doing it because they were they already knew all the stuff that the teacher was teaching. Okay but those became my friends and I was so lost on who I was that I was whoever they needed me to be. So when I'm having this identity crisis, they're calling it manic depression, bipolar, and, you know, and I'm a spoiled brat on top of it. And so they started labeling me all these things and then the drugs hit and I started trying to like self-medicate, and numb myself. And that's what they called it, you know, balancing out. No, I was trying to numb. I was trying to escape. And um, I was, and and that's what I was disconnected. And so, um, you know, OCD, like obsessive compulsive disorder, like counting steps and like, um, you know, like having to do something a certain number of times in order to, you know, those were all weird things that I would do. And then the, then the drug started and it and it just magnified it. Right. And then I started, you know, having what they call schizoaffective tendencies. So as far as like actually hearing things, actually seeing things, actually like not knowing what was real and what wasn't anymore having conversations. I remember one of the times I got picked up, I was on the side of the freeway, I was barefoot. And I was like trying to stop cars on the freeway so that that I could pick up a piece of trash. I was gone. I was like 17 years old.
1: Because it was really bothering you that the piece of trash was there?
2: Yeah, I was on drugs. Mm -hmm. Right? I was so disconnected from reality. And that's what I don't think people understand. Everyone wants to Now that's a whole nother, I, I could, you know, rabbit hole. We could go down, hole, whatever, but you know, the laws that are in place right now are not in place right now in California. And they want to know what's like going on with the homeless. Well, you kicked everyone out of Pat. You literally opened the doors, and kicked everybody out of this mental hospital onto the street because there's no money for it anymore. So there's no really, there's no, quality mental hospitals available to the public for actually healing what is a mental disease, which is drug addiction, right? So they're not the drugs are the problem. The the mental illness is the problem and the people needing to escape from their own like reality, that's the problem. You know what I mean? And so I feel like, you know, but but everyone has a different idea on how you want to treat mental health, right? And so what I so the reason I do what I do is because I'm such an advocate of functional medicine. And I've watched. I can't. I can't tell you the courses that I've taken, the videos that I've watched, the documentaries I've watched of doctors who um, were in the medical field for. 20 years treating patients and who are embarrassed of themselves now, having gone through and continued their education to functional medicine. And so when you can find a functional medicine doctor who treats you as a whole, not like there's only a brain or there's only a a bone or there's only nerves, like someone who understands the way that the mind and body is connected as a whole and how your life experience triggers certain things and how there's certain receptors that, you know, are, you know, if you're not eating right and you have a mental illness, right. And you're depressed okay, great. Those are all great terms, you know, that you can put in the medical field. But like, when you're just not feeling it, and you're like, really, like, it's hard for you to get in a good mood, and you're just lethargic. Well, your gut has hundreds of millions of neurotransmitters in it. And if you're eating foods that, that gum that up, that can't, so they can't create those neurotransmitters can't create serotonin anymore, or to the the extent that it needs to, how are you going to feel okay? How are you going to be in a good mood? You know, and it's like, we're like, ramming our head in the wall and asking why we have a headache, you know, and it's like, where is this education? Why are we not explaining how basic it is just, you know, kind of cut out artificial processed foods and how much that'll change our mood and our feelings about ourselves, and then move your body on purpose somehow every day. Like that's going to, you know, get your lymphatic system going. It's going to get all the blood moving. It's going to, it's like, you know, when you have a car sitting and it just sits there and sits there, what happens? It falls apart and rots. You You have to get out and drive around the block, you know? And, uh, and none of that's being talked about. It's starting to, it's starting to come out like doctors like Dr. Mark Hyman. And, you know, there's, there's functional medicine doctors that are getting more and more popular, which is amazing. And so I'm looking forward to being able to create a platform to host them and to get this information out to people in a basic way where like I can create, I've created programs and I run programs now that help that, that help people who like me started from completely out of their mind, like having no clue where to start and just feeling their way forward. What is, what does it take? What is the next indicated step that I need to personally take to make my being better?
1: Now I got a question for you. You, you said there that you in your younger years, you were a social butterfly. But I know you've also said that you have social anxiety how does that how did that happen
2: so in my younger years I hadn't been gang raped in my younger years I hadn't been left for dead in my younger years I hadn't been held hostage in my younger years I hadn't had like a car stolen from me from a nine-year- old who gave her keys to my her uncle and the uncle stole my car I mean like the shit that would go through my head like I didn't I didn't know people like that really existed outside of the movies mm. and as a 16 17 18 year old young white girl on the streets of like, like people who had just, you know, come across and, you know, people who were not, didn't even speak my language, literally who could speak a whole nother language around me. And I didn't know what was going on. And it was a different lifestyle, you know, um, I remember the difference in the lifestyle between when I went south of the border and when I I grew up, right? Like people didn't hustle their kids. People didn't, I mean, it was just a, there's completely different people from other places, right? Even just across the country or in different parts of the state, they have different belief systems and different morals and different values of what is okay and what isn't okay. And um, so I got a rude awakening of what was okay and what wasn't okay for certain people and what people would actually put their children up to and what people would, would do to another human being. And when that shattered my little like perfect, like world reality, like I lost my shit. I snapped, I was not okay anymore. And that really was where everything kind of fell apart for me. I was in and out of mental hospitals. I was not okay. I was the dirty girl that you saw like walking around talking to herself, twitching with pee all over herself and dirty like hair. Like I was that girl. And like, I don't think people understand that that was really actually me out there on those streets. Mm. You know, and I see it and I'm like, what are they allowing? to happen right now. And the, the fact that people can't make up their own minds, right? People are afraid to say things anymore because they're afraid of offending people. Like, that's why I started a YouTube channel because I get to say whatever the heck I want, Right. you know? Right. And I get to tell my story of my reality of what's really going on. And, you know, a lot of my stuff gets censored, but that's okay because I'm gonna keep telling my story. And people are gonna know that it really doesn't have to be the way that it is for them right now. What they're thinking has been programmed into their brain. They get to decide for themselves what is their reality. And that's where this whole situation is right now with this world right now. Like there's fear and there's faith. And there's only two things. You can either have faith in the fact that you are gonna be okay no matter what, right? Like there was a point in transition in my life where that transformation started where I realized that, you know what? I have nothing. I have no one. All my family has disowned me. All my friends have disowned me, you know, um, and I have nothing, but yet here I sit still with breath, still. Okay. Now what?
1: Yeah. You know, there are people out there who have this philosophy that, well, a little fear is good for you or a little fear is okay. It's actually not okay. Um, you know, it's paralyzing and it's debilitating and I'm kind of curious, how did you go from, uh, for another thing I didn't mention, but you, you own a hair salon, you're, you're a hair person, and you also are a coach, but you're also a bodybuilder. How would you go from this situation where you were living on the streets, you were on drugs, you had all that, and then you developed the social anxiety and you just defeated that and went into this bodybuilding competition thing?
2: So it's like the whole in between. That right. The course of that three years where um, you know, I, I got arrested, I went to prison, um, I did a term, I came out worse than I went in because the recovery system in the program is broken, or in the prison system is broken. It's just now starting because of Trump and I'm just putting it out there regardless of who, like I said, being completely in the middle. I'm just saying a lot of programs have been approved and funded because of the um, recidivism programs that are being put in place uh, because under Trump. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's a lot of focus going on that right now, which I'm so grateful to see. Um, there's a lot of funding, but now all the funding appropriately is being, I mean, a lot of funding is being pulled out of everywhere to fight this crisis right now, but, um, you know, before that, um, and, uh, so I got out worse than I went in. I went into Chowchilla. I stayed, uh, nine months in Chowchilla. And then I was released, I was out 67 days, my family lost our childhood home, and I couldn't deal with that, because I still had no coping skills. And i was still completely now worse, like I said, than I was before I even went into prison. And so I said, I'd rather be on the streets than live anywhere. But in this house, you know, that was I was coming home to what I thought was going to be a solid foundation. And it turned out we were losing our ranch, because of that was during the crash. So long story short, I go back, and I'm in jail this time. And I had a, a spiritual awakening while I was in jail. Um, and for me, that is when I realized, like, wow, I'm at my bottom. It literally could not get worse than I'm at right now, except for death. Like, that's that's literally the only thing that could happen. Worse. And I, was, I would crave that. I would ask for that. I would pray for that. Like, if you pray if, for a person who never knew how to pray, I was... Seeking death, but I was too afraid to take my own life, and so that's I just didn't want to be. I used to yell at my parents for not like I hated being born. I was so mad about it, and uh, that was a really. I mean, I think about that, and that's really sad. It's sad to live life like that, and uh, that's why I couldn't. And so this last time, I that's when I made the decision in prison, and I started working on the SAP program. And when I got out of the SAP program, which is substance abuse program, so out of the SAP um, in prison, and I went down. So I was down here in Norco at CIW. For 17 months on a 16 month term, because I, um, you know, it didn't look perfect. And I still got in trouble when I was in there. And I had to bump my head a couple more times. And I was bringing drugs into prison and I was doing stupid shit. And I was, you know, and I had to get caught again. And thank God I got caught while I was in there because that's when I got to make that decision was, you know, I'm either going to do this for the rest of my life and die this way, or I'm going to do something different. And I chose. You know, I'd hit that wall. So I turned back around and started running the other way. And that's kind of what happened for the last 10 years I've been, I've been, you know, and I've learned how to stop and slow down and, and to take a, a, you know, not to expect too much of myself. So it's just to, to know what I'm capable of and just continue to take that next indicated step forward. So I went to rehab. I was in an inpatient rehab after that 17 months in prison. And I was in a program called new hope and new hope totally saved my life. It taught me a lot of behavioral and cognitive therapy. And, um, but when we started that program, oh gosh, I was on so many meds when I came out of prison. I was on so, I was on like seven different meds. And I remember it was like a month or two in and I had missed, it was Saturday morning and I had missed my dose again from the nurse. And there was, you know, certain times that we were dosed our medicine and I had medicine three times a day and I missed, no, twice a day. I'm sorry at this point, twice a day. And uh, I had missed my evening dose and my morning dose. And it was like 11 o'clock on a Saturday. And I was curled up on the couch outside the med room, detoxing off my meds. And I knew that I did not get clean to feel like that. Mm -hmm. I was miserable. Like I was coming off of opiates because I was coming off of benzodiazepines. And um, so it was like I was coming off of benzodiazepines. And anyone who's been through that no, that's not a pleasant experience, and you should be at the hospital doing it. You know that's why they put people into detox for four, to seven to fourteen days. You know, same with alcohol because it's dangerous. Um, but I, I, you know, and so I made an appointment with my parole officer and my psych, and I went in and I said, hey, this is what's going on. I would really like to, you know, on top of all that, I, the last month and a half they've been trying to get me to connect to myself and to feel, and I couldn't feel shit because I was on all these meds. I was still completely disconnected. And so I, he said, you know what, like, I really want to like do this. And I just feel like the meds are keeping me from being able to like do any of this. And um, I'm up all night, every night. I'm a zombie during the day. Like, can we do, can we lean off? Can, what can, I'd like to get off my meds and try this. And he said, you know, I really appreciate it. The doctor said, you know, I really appreciate that you want to do this, Jen. He said, but it's a stipulation of your parole that you be on these meds because you're a risk to yourself and others. And so yet again, like the system is telling me like, I'm not okay without them. And I just couldn't accept that. And so for the next month and a half, I cheat my meds and I weaned myself off. And it was probably the last thing that I feel bad about doing ever, but I know that I did it to save my own life. And um, I had to do what was right for me, regardless of what anybody else thought, professional or unprofessional. Like I wasn't gonna let anyone tell me what was right for me anymore. Because I knew what wasn't right for me, Mm -hmm. right? I had figured that out. And so now I'm trying to figure out what is right for me. And anybody or anything that has any problem with that can go somewhere else. And that is kind of what I feel like I try to bring for my clients. And that's so far what I've been grateful enough to bring for them is the ability to just to find that balance in their life that works for them. Figure out, I had to learn how to balance my own chemicals. In my brain and naturally instinctively there was this old treadmill in the rec room where everyone wanted to get together and uh, watch movies and stuff after programming but i was coming out of my skin coming off those meds so i got on that treadmill and i didn't care what anybody said and i had to get in the you know a little bit of a issue a couple times over the fact that they wanted to watch this movie but i needed just 20 minutes just 30 minutes please just give me 20 minutes you guys and i would move. And because you couldn't leave, it was a lockdown, it was, you know, until you got to the point where you were allowed to leave and go to work and do all the, you know, look for jobs or go to school. Like you were there, you were still a ward of the state, you were still on parole, you were still, you know, their property. And so, so I, I started to walk. And then I started to jog and then I started to run and then I started to get passes home and I started to run at home. And then, you know, next thing you know, I'm home again. And my parents have, and I have a relationship because I've been working on myself and I've been changing who I was and deciding who I wanted to be instead of following whatever anybody else wanted me to be. I mean, both my prison terms, I did time for other people both times. And I know that because I went in with the drugs that I was charged with. So it was like, uh, no, (laughs) no, But anyway, it, that doesn't matter. I'm still grateful. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have served consequences for my actions because there's people dying out there right now every single day because they don't have to suffer consequences for their actions. Their consequence is death. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, and so I'm sorry to see that. But hopefully those things will change with, you know, I'm working with a nonprofit that's getting started called California Recovers. And we're hoping to um, partner with them. at Core, Core Resolution Systems is hoping to partner with California Recovers so that we can start to implement you know, real change with the bills that are going in front of Senate and Congress and things. And so, um, you know, I don't know politics enough to know what all the levels are, but you know, they do. And so they're doing it and there's other states that are also involved in, you know, having a say in what's, what's happening out there on the streets. But, you know, as far as what had to shift for me was I had to start learning how to, to, to ask myself what what is right for me. And I started to move my body on purpose and get that mind body connection. And I started to then lift weights. And then I started, you know, I started to push myself in that direction. And pretty soon, you know, I'm out, you know, and working, you know, eight, 12 weeks later, and people are stopping me in the grocery store going, Oh my God, what do you do? And I'm like, Oh, I do hair, you know, cause I luckily still had my license and um, I got my license when I had got sober 18, got my license um, was in NA and AA was engaged to a guy that I'd met there in, in a program and, um, then he cheated on me, got someone else pregnant and I went back out and I relapsed because I still had no faith in anything. I still didn't know who I was. I still wasn't, you know, I still wasn't in recovery. I still wasn't healing. I still wasn't transforming anything in my life or who I was. I was still super, thug, super thug and super like, <laughs> didn't give a, didn't give a crap about anything or anybody. And, um, and so, you know, that's when, and I ended up relapsing and, and that's when I first went to prison when I was like 21, 22. And then again, until I was 25. So. Yeah. So those steps that I had to take through, you know, it it wasn't an overnight thing it's been over the last 10 years. And that's why I say like, I had to make a decision. And from that decision, I started to make steps forward. And now 10 years later, I'm living a life that I could not imagine. I'm experiencing a life. I don't have a million dollar home. I have a small home with my husband. I don't, I don't have the opportunity to have kids. That's not something I'm going to have the opportunity to do in my life. And, you know, There's a whole nother thing that I've had to deal with and, you know, get the shame from other women of, you know, you should have kids. Okay, well, let me know when you can have one for me then, you know. So, you know, those things are, you know, those are things in life that, you know, I make the most of what I'm able to to have. I make the most of what I'm able to bring into my own life. And, you know, if I get the opportunity to smile at someone during the day, like I'm going to smile even if they give me the sourest look, right? Because it feels good to me, not because like I feel obligated or because it's the right thing to do, because it feels good. You know, I'm able to give back and do workshops and do free stuff for people because it feels good. But, you know, I also am worth investing in as a coach, right? And so that I think was my biggest, my biggest problem was who am I, right? That mindset work. And this is where I'm really looking forward over the next few weeks to start a mastermind and start programs around, um, you know, like, getting back to basics and deciding like, I am worth an investment. I am worth like the knowledge that I have, the experience that I have is just what my clients need. And the experience that you have, right. is just what your clients need. If right. that's what you're looking for. If you're looking to, to make it like, whether it's, you're a teacher or you're an old welder or you're an old, whatever, whatever, whatever you've been doing for the last 20 years of your life. Like you're an expert at that. If you're a mom and you've been raising kids for the last 20 years and you're not doing that anymore, like, you know, what's worked and what hasn't worked. Like you get to share that experience and you're worth investing in for that experience. Like whoever you are, whatever you've come from. And I just happen to love working with people who have come from nothing, right? Whether you had everything and lost it or had everything and lost it a hundred times because of the recessions or whatever. um, You know, if you've lost everything and had to scrape and crawl and become who you are today, like there's, there's worth there and there's value there. And you know, you have the opportunity to be able to share that experience. So um, at a time when we're all going virtual, you know, this is your perfect time for sure, because, you know, at this time when we're all going virtual, it's it's so needed because we're going to need that human connection.
1: What kind of advice do you have? I mean, you got all this experience about dealing with tough times and dealing with tough emotions and dealing with tough people around you. I mean, some people having a hard time right now and, and there's there's some tough stuff going on. Um, and, and even if it is, or it isn't, you know, people, it's what they think about it. That's important. So what kind of advice would you have for people, uh, that, you know, are listening to us right now that they're just having a hard time, maybe keeping it together during this, this time with the virus and with the economy going into some gyrations and some different things.
2: I think right now, the best advice that I could give is just to step back and let go. step back and let go like let go of any expectations you had of what it was supposed to look like for the next month year two years um just let go of that because like it's not gonna look like that it's going to look however it's going to look right and what we can what we do have control over is how we handle the situations that we're in right? We can be positive or we can be negative. We can live in fear and like, like, like freeze up and like hole up in our houses and like just cry and curl. I mean, I had a really rough day yesterday myself, you know, like I had to sit there and I had to figure out my schedule for, you know, I I do work in a salon and I do partner with a woman who's very much older than, you know, (laughs) the highest risk and, you know, her whole clientele is a high risk. And so I don't feel right jeopardizing her health. So I need to schedule the days. But I can, so, so she doesn't work Sunday and Monday, so guess what days I'm going in super early to disinfect and keeping spaces between clients, making sure I can disinfect between every client and keep this as, you know, as safe as possible um, for people who feel like that's their only vice, that's their only outlet, that's the only thing they can do, um, you know, but I am stretching clients out that were a week away to two, three weeks away now, and th- it's okay, but I'm adjusting. And do I know where that income is going to come from? Absolutely not. But I'm also looking at the fact that now I get five days a week that I get to completely focus on my coaching. And what a blessing that is. I get five days a week now. And now that it's shifted, I used to do, you know, two days a week of coaching and five days a week of hair. And now all of a sudden, um, you know, whether I like it or not, you know, I'm getting pushed into the deep end. And I'm so grateful for that because I'm going to get time and experience and ability to do interviews like this and to get out there and talk to my clients who are out there who are, who are freaked out right now, but you guys just let go, like find a way, what do you want? Ask yourself what you want, right? Like, and I don't mean in a selfish kind of like, well, I want the way it was. Okay, great. Well, that's not going to happen. So what, what do we want? That is that, do you want to be able to connect with your family more, right? Do you want to be able to, like, if you want to feel okay, then take a deep breath and be grateful for the fact that right now, like like it really is okay still right now, right? And even if you know someone that's sick, even if you're sick, like everything happens for a reason. Everything is happening the way it's supposed to. And you know, if I can survive out there on the streets the way that it was, you know, if that, if I had to survive all of that to be taken down by a virus, as l- then I, I mean, now I, I know this is a really harsh mindset and really hard for some people to, to get on board with, but you know, whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. And so all you can do is do your best to keep your side of the street clean. And if that means like for me, like I have people that use the studio. And so as soon as I come in here, I spray everything down, wipe everything down that I think could have been used by them, um, and then some more. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and I'll do the same thing when I leave because it's my, I feel like it's my responsibility, it's my shop. And um, same with the salon. And every time I get in and out of my car, I spray the whole thing down with Lysol and I wipe it down. That's all I can do. I take my shoes off at the door and my jacket, my pants off at the door. It's where our laundry room is and they go in the washer. I mean, there's certain things that you can do, um, you know, to keep exposure to a minimum. Um, I don't know if anyone's really thought about that. Like I think about that and I wonder how come everybody's worried about washing their hands, but they're coming into the house, walking into their house, washing their hands with their shoes on and with their clothes on and like, you know, there's been back and forth on whether or not it's just on hard surfaces, or if it's just on clothing, or soft surfaces, or what. But why risk it? Like, if you know, you can strip down the door, strip down the door. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. It depends on like if that's your level of fear. It's not necessarily because you're scared. It's just being precautious. It's just taking precautions, right? That's right. And do, so, I mean, what would what do you think with all this?
1: Well, certainly. I mean, I think I think one of the um, most difficult things for people is people who have a tendency to want to control things. And when they feel that they can't control things, just severe anxiety kicks in. And I think your advice about learning how to, uh, realize that you really don't have a lot of exterior control. The only thing you really have control over is yourself And, and I think you do have a choice in how you think you do have a choice in how you view things. You do have a choice in how you view yourself. And I think that's where you need to put your faith and focus. Um, I I also noticed you had a wonderful set of questions on your Facebook feed today, um, that you put out there and I would encourage people to go look you up on Facebook. I'm going to ask you, um, about, Uh, what you're planning on offering soon and also how people can get in touch with you if they're interested in working with you but i've got some rapid fire questions here that i want to ask you and just get you know a quick short answer from you on each one of them would that be okay
0: Sure.
1: all right here's number one i got 12 of these so here's number one what is your best memory that comes to mind
2: oh gosh That's a rough one. Let me see, Um, God, it's the best and worst memory, right? It's I think it's just the most prevalent one. But let me see, like that moment, that moment that I was locked up. I'm just going to be honest with you. That moment that I was locked up, and I knew that, like, no matter what happened in my life, I was going to be okay, and things were going to work out the way they were supposed to. Like as long as I did my best. Like Mm -hmm. that realization, that moment, and it was really like the worst point in my life, right? It was like anyone's hell. And it was like, but this most incredible revelation um, an epiphany moment.
1: So, yeah, it was a pivot moment, right? Absolutely. It was a turning point for you. Who's the number one hero in your life?
2: Oh, my dad.
1: Yeah, what's his name?
2: John Henry. All
1: right. Top value you subscribe to?
2: Your best is enough.
1: Most important person in your life? My fiance. What's his name? Myself
2: and then my fiance. <laughs> yeah, there you go. What's his name? Uh, Michael Luzo.
1: Okay. What's your favorite thing in the whole world?
2: Oh, making people feel good about themselves.
1: What's your favorite food?
2: Yeah, I, Chicken.
1: <laughs> Most beautiful place you've ever visited? Montana. If you could describe success in one word, what would that word be?
2: transcending
1: how do you want to be remembered in your legacy
2: that i help people feel like they matter that, that i help people know they matter
1: this is going to be an interesting question but if you could go back and talk to a really young jennifer what would your best advice be
2: oh don't listen to him.
1: what's your favorite sound
2: none and a waterfall the- like the like i'll explain that one i remember walking i have to i'll have to ask my aunt what actual spot this is but i remember we went on a hike as cousins and family we had a family reunion out there and we walked into this like forest like and it, we were weaving around and then all of a sudden there was a sound and it was like this deafening sound of water and you, you didn't it didn't really sound like that it sounded like static but it was this like white noise that you heard and the deeper in you got towards this waterfall, the louder it got. And like, that's a place that I go all the time and I can hear it still to this day, that like deafening sound where it like drowns out your thoughts and there is nothing and nobody, you can't hear each other talking, if you have to yell. And just that moment when everyone just enjoys that sound, it's like it, where it resonates through your body, this vibration almost of um, you're like, I don't know, that. <laughs> that's
1: my favorite sound best lesson you've learned
2: Hmm. it's okay to fail
1: we've been visiting with jennifer henry and if you've listened to our conversation at all you would agree this is a very inspiring story uh, her entire life she now uh has a business and she helps people uh, as a coach with their lifestyle uh, she has uh, all kinds of curriculum on food and diet and healthy living and mindset and all sorts of things but Jennifer if somebody's interested in working with you what would be the best way for them to get in touch with you
2: um, you can go to my website at coreresolutionsystems.com, C O R E R E S O uh, L U T I O N S, systems, S Y S T E M S, dot com. And uh, I also, my Gmail is missgenhenry at gmail That's M I S S J E N N H E N R Y at gmail dot com.
1: You know, I'm just believing that this entire conversation and your entire story. Is going to really help some people who they, you know, they think they're going through a tough time right now. I think when they hear your story, they're going to think, man, I don't really have a lot compared to her, but there's a lot of really good things in your story about, hey, no matter what you're going through, no matter what kind of situation you're in, you can turn it around and things are going to be okay if you just engage and. You know the right mindset and the right get the right help, get the right tools, get the right coach, perhaps uh, get the right assistance and program. And so I'm glad that you're doing what you're doing because I think a lot of people could really use it. I really appreciate you taking the time to to be on with me today.
2: Well, I appreciate you having me on. I do feel like it's finally time for me to to start telling my story a little bit more. I've told it here and there, and I just feel like um, there's. This is the perfect time right now for anyone to come out of the woodworks who, you know, has a story to tell, who helps, who can help shift the perspective of someone who may have a lot and is gonna lose some, <laughs> versus people who have nothing, so they have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you have your family, you know, making that a priority, if you have your friends, you know, keeping those social, you know, the, the, you know, engagement, you know, socially, uh, virtually, uh, you know, engaging with people that make you feel good and make you laugh, like, like learning something. Like I advise anyone who is feeling stuck right now or like they're lost. I, I posted on my Uh, There's also core resolution systems group on Facebook and I posted there and on my personal page, Jennifer Henry, um, a, there's a bunch of Ivy league colleges that are offering free certification programs and free courses uh, during this time right now like 450 free courses so if you were like kind of hesitant to spend the money on school right now I mean you can go in and take a couple courses during this time right now um or get your kids to or do it as a family or everyone does one I mean whatever there's I mean there's so many things you guys can do right now to really uplift your own spirits and to to grow during this time and So I will be doing some free workshops. Um, So if you just plug into my social media, um, I will be posting them there. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I just think it's time for everyone to start bringing value to the table.
1: All right. Jennifer Henry, everybody. I will have, uh, everybody's kind of worried about their business right now. And I'm going to have some tips on some things you can do. Maybe if you're, you know, at home or maybe you're not working, or maybe your employees are remotely working and you find some time on your hands and you need to spend it productively. I've got some tips coming up for you that you can do during this particular time. And I'll have that for you next on our better than before show.
2: The 2020 Subaru Forester. The SUV for all you love. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive plus 33 miles per gallon. Standard EyeSight driver assist technology. A spacious and comfortable interior. The best SUV for all you do.
0: Join us for the Subaru A Lot to Love event going on now. University Subaru. Homegrown and proud of it. See dealer for details. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at ClearVisionDevelopment.com.
1: Welcome back to the Better Than Before show. I hope you... Uh, enjoyed getting a perspective from someone like Jennifer Henry, who has been through a lot of stuff. I mean, that was a lot to process, just listening to her tell her story and listening how she got through some of those things and the things that she is doing now to keep herself in a healthy and positive perspective. And, you know, you ought to listen to that a couple of more times, I think. And uh, we're so glad to have had her on uh, today. And we're going to keep looking for people like that. As long as this particular crisis is going on, we're going to find people to talk to that are positive, who've overcome things in the past, and people who can provide suggestions on how you can deal with your own personal trauma, whatever that is, as we get through this situation and we move on to better days. I want to talk to you now about just day-to-day thoughts in your business, you know, Um, The bad thing about managing in a crisis is that sometimes you just don't have any lead time to prepare for it. And uh, there are crises that you can anticipate, and then there are some that you can't. Like three weeks ago, nobody really thought that the United States would be in a position that it's in now, especially the economic ramifications that affect business with the whole uh, COVID-19 situation. And so, I want to just say, first of all, that I've been reading a lot. I mean, my job is to advise my clients and to coach them on best practices and things that they can do to produce good results. And, you know, right now we can't wait for it to stop raining. We've got to learn how to work in the rain. And this situation isn't going to pass quickly. And by I mean quickly, it isn't going to be over next week. Uh, It may not be over next month. We don't know. Uh, but um i love the president's uh uh packet that he put out 15 days to uh flatten this virus or kill this virus or slow this virus down or whatever the package i can't remember but it was the time frame was 15 days with some great suggestions in there that if we all pull together and do our part we can uh stifle this virus until uh, flatten that curve until at least we can get a therapeutic and or a vaccine hopefully uh, for it Uh, because it's here and it's here to stay. Uh, It'll be back uh, many more times because the fact that it's already been brought here so just the fact that we've controlled its spread doesn't mean we've wiped it out and um, I'm going to talk about some things you can do especially if you're still working at your place of business or at your office and you can apply those for your home too but Right now, there's great innovation and there's great uh, invention going on with the virus and with companies who are trying to find a way to find a shot for it, uh, some kind of anti-vaccine for the virus, and that's great. Uh, I love what some of the businesses are doing. I love the idea that restaurants are turning their servers into delivery people uh, just to keep them working and to just to help them keep their jobs. I love the idea that supermarkets are opening at early in the morning after a wipe down and a heavy-duty cleaning and a sanitizing. They're opening early in the morning for an hour or so just to allow senior shoppers, 65-plus only, to come in and get their grocery shopping done because this virus, um, the mortality rate is steeper on the high side of the demographic than it is on the lower side. And so, um, you know, I know a lot of seniors who are my friends uh, who are the in that 65-plus demographic, and they're, they're worried and they're scared and they're in lockdown. They're not coming out of their homes because, you know, they don't want to catch this virus, especially if they've had any bronchial problems, any breathing problems. My dad's almost 76 years old. He's had several bouts of pneumonia in the past. And, uh, he would be tremendously susceptible to this virus. And so I don't want them going anywhere. I don't want them getting out. And if they could have a time where they could go to the supermarket and do their shopping, uh, when no one else is around, but other seniors, that'd be awesome. So, uh, I know a couple of supermarkets here in town are doing that. And I've, uh, since then I've seen a couple others that are doing that too. So I love those ideas. Here's a couple of thoughts, just random thoughts for you, just the individual person. And I'm going to get to some uh, thoughts for leaders here in a second. But um, I would suggest that you use the news as a tool and don't let it turn into a drug. Some people are addicted to adrenaline. They're addicted to gossip. They're addicted to bad news. They will find the most traumatic news channel to watch, the one that is putting out the most doom and gloom, and they'll get addicted to it. They'll feed on it. And I'm telling you right now, that is a mistake. You need to look and research and find the latest facts on this very fluid situation, and you need to process it and then act accordingly and prudently and with wisdom. And, I, and I'll just throw this out too. Let's not let's not spend a lot of time talking about the political aspects of this thing. You know, every leader we have in the country is doing their best. I really feel that, that they're really trying to find a way to, to do the very best they can for us. And we don't need to be criticizing them for what they're doing or for what they're not doing or what they say or what. They may have said wrong, or maybe they've mispronounced, or maybe they stu- stuttered or stammered. It's just being picky, it's being critical, and it's rude, and it's in bad taste when we're in a situation like this. So, this may cost me your subscription to our podcast. But you know what? It's not a time for worrying about that either. It's a time for us to have good decorum, it's time for us to be uh, real Americans. And we need to keep the criticism at a minimum. I'm suggesting that that you not suffer from normalcy bias. And normalcy bias is a bias that we have in our thinking that thinks that life is just going on as usual and nothing's really changed. And really what that trigger what that's triggered by is fear. And you may not feel scared. And you might not think you're scared, but you're a little bit scared if you think everything is normal because it's not. And when you suffer from that, you go into denial and you stand strong uh, against thinking that anything's changed, but you're in denial and you're in a form of fear that you don't recognize that things are changed and things are different if maybe only for the short term. But all you have to do is go out into your community and drive around and you will notice there's not as many people out. Uh, I went and drove around a little bit last night just out of curiosity thinking, I bet it's a really interesting sight. And, you know, I think I I could count uh, very easily the number of cars that I encountered out on the highway. I mean, people are doing a good job by going home, And staying there and, uh, you know, your home is probably a safe place because you're the only ones that are in there for quite some time now. So hopefully no one's carried that virus in and you've done a good job uh, being a good steward over your home and keeping it clean and doing the things you need to do. So that might be one of the safest places you can be because it limits your contact with other people who may be carriers of the virus. So don't suffer from normalcy bias thinking it's normal. It's not normal, okay? I think one of the biggest things we need to realize is we're a little more fragile than we thought we were. We're a little more exposed. We're a little more unsafe. Less in control. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with I mean, I'm a, I'm a, if you've listened to this program very much, you know I'm a guy of balance, okay? I don't like to go too far one way or the other. And I don't think you ought to run around screaming, saying the world's coming to an end. And I also don't think you ought to walk around saying, well, this is all just a bunch of hooey. I think you are to be prudent enough to be somewhere in the middle where you do your due diligence, you live your life, of course, But do your due diligence to make sure that you don't participate in getting it and you don't participate in helping spread it and you are supportive of those who are trying to do their best to help us. I'm going to suggest you get a little more rest when the sun comes out. The sun was out a little bit yesterday. You need to get a little bit more sun. You need to take in that sunshine, to get that vitamin D. That'll boost your immunity system. Vitamin C boost your immunity system. I was talking to a physician yesterday who's a friend of mine. He says elderberry is an excellent uh, booster of your immunity system. You need to drink more water, stay in touch with friends. Uh, that's the great thing about technology. It allows us to stay in touch with people. Video chats, uh, Facebook, Google all these things have these communication tools and these connection tools to keep us from going into too much isolation and too much disconnection. And and not only that, but you need voices. You need voices of positivity. You need voices of hope, all those things in your life right now. All right, let's talk about some safety basics. If you're still working and you're still going into the office, Uh, or you're still going into work where there's other people. If you're working from home, uh, I guess these could apply to you also, but these are some things that you could utilize. Before you go in the office, you know, you need to wash your hands with soap and uh, warm water for at least uh, 20 seconds. Before you go into the office, wash your hands with soap and warm water for at least 20 seconds. If you leave the building and you come back, Do the same thing wash your hands make sure you're not carrying a virus into the environment it lives on surfaces for a limited amount of time a couple of days so you could transmit it from you to a surface somebody else could come along sit in that same area and you know contract the virus just because you left it there and you may not even know you have it or you may not even be feeling bad or you may not be even recognizing some symptoms But my understanding is that could be very common and you could be still carrying the virus and not know it. Uh, You could open doors with a closed fist if you can. Do your best not to touch surfaces. I watched a lecture last night. It was only about 14 or 15 minutes long uh, about the coronavirus. And I guess like all flu-based viruses, the way you get it uh, and, and... you know, the way it's transmitted to you is through your breathing. So when you touch your face with contaminated hands, then it goes in through your nose or your mouth. And that's how it enters into your body. So I'm going to recommend you get a, uh, saline solution, nose washer, keep your uh, nasal passages sort of disinfected and clean and, and healthy and, um, switch on lights with your knuckles uh, don't eat food at your desks. Eating at your desk is a good way to spread germs to your keyboard, your mouse, and your computer. If you've got a laptop, you could be carrying it from your workspace to your home space and vice versa if you're doing those things. Also, um, and everybody's heard about social distancing, but let's just say it again, you know, refrain from shaking hands and no hugs because, folks, listen, as I said at the top of the show, We will return to our normal customs. We will return to our normal culture. It'll happen sooner and faster than you think, and it'll all be back and better than ever. So for this short period here, at least that's what I'm believing, this short period here, let's just do the safety measures, okay? Let's just limit our physical contact. Let's just do our due diligence to make sure we're not participating in making the situation worse. But let's be full of hope and caring to make the situation better. And let's be an encourager. All right, leaders of businesses, here's your personal checklist. Put your own oxygen mask on first. You've heard me say that for years. And essentially, that's what the airline tells you, right? When you run into turbulence or you run into an emergency on an airline, they tell you put your oxygen mask on first, then assist others with putting theirs on. This is one of those great situations for that analogy. You need to look out for yourself and make sure you're taking care of yourself so you're in the pe- you're in the best position to lead and help other people. You need to identify things that you can do to take care of your physical body. Make sure to take adequate breaks. I mean, I've got a couple of CEO clients that here to- toward the end of last week, they were getting pretty fatigued and pretty tired because – you know, the stress of the situation, plus they're working overtime to communicate and they're working down their to-do lists and they're really, really focused and that takes energy, right? So they were pretty tired by the end of last week. So you got to make sure to schedule some breaks for yourself during the day. So you can just get away by yourself for a little while and refresh yourself and walk around a little bit, identify things you can do to take care of your mind. Activities to help you mentally recenter yourself to be able to think clearly. Don't stop learning. There's going to be adequate amounts of things during this crisis that you need to take in and learn that are going to help you down the road. Uh, one of the most critical crises I ever led during uh, well, several of them over the last several years. But one that just really comes to mind was 9-11. Can you believe that was 19 years ago? But 19 years ago, I remember thinking a lot along the lines of the way we're thinking today that the president could declare a national emergency, right? And I kept thinking, we're going to get a notice any second that the president is going to declare a national emergency after the Twin Towers were hit. And there were things that were done and there were things that we thought of and there were things that we were prepared for and things we weren't prepared for. And some of the things that we did back then, me and my team, are still present today in that same organization that I was a leader in. And uh, it's just amazing that you come out stronger on the other side if you keep your head on straight, you are paying attention, And you are learning and you're retaining those lessons because there will be another day you will need to use those experiences and those lessons. You need to identify things that you can do to take care of your spirit. Activities that light you up inside more than anything else. Prayer is good. Uh, Meditation is good. Affirmations are good. All things you can do to encourage the deepest part of you would be highly recommended. Here's a really good one. You need to have a second in command that is lined up and ready as a contingency. You got to think, what happens if I get the virus? You're a CEO, you're a business owner. What happens if you become infected? Who's going to be the person who's going to take over, take charge, and make sure that your business and your organization gets through this thing? So, if you haven't identified that person, you need to do that right away and you need to start thinking about, talking about, and planning for in case that would happen. And then I want you to take time to encourage and be there for your family because it's pretty easy to fall into the trap of just thinking about business, just thinking about your employees, just thinking about your customers, just thinking about your vendors just thinking about I got to be there, I got to take care of this, I got to get my business through this thing, Uh, I got a lot of jobs at stake, we have a lot of stuff at stake, and you can forget about the people who are at home who are depending on you to come home every night and take care of them. So don't forget to take time to encourage and be there for your family because they need encouragement and uh, they need your support. Now, here's some big things that you really need to take into consideration. Number one, communication. You need to be communicating with your employees every single day, at least once a day. Email's good, but they need to hear your voice. And they need to hear your voice be positive and full of hope. You need to include your customers in some of those communications. You need to make sure include your vendors in some of those communications, because everybody's worried about, hey, is this going to continue to be my customer? Hey, is this place still going to be there for me? Hey, am I going to be able to get this? Uh, Hey, are they going to be able to solve the same problem for me now in the middle of all this stuff that they solved for me before all this happened? You know, and uh, so you need to be communicating with them. And, uh, that's going to take a lot out of you because you need to be up and you need to be encouraging and you need to be positive and you need to be the voice of reason and collaboration and hope. And, um, you got to lead people through this whole thing and steady the ship and bring it through the storm. Another thing you need to be working on and thinking about and, and, and have on your, uh, pad written down is what's your travel and work from home policy. What travel policy have you put in place for people? Where's the work getting done? Are you having people come to the office, work from home or some combination of it? Uh, If they are working from home, what have you done to ensure that productivity and your culture is staying alive? Are you sharing your core values with them? Are you reminding them of the core purpose of the organization that This is our purpose and people are counting on us more than ever. So we've got to be engaged, we've got to be focused, and we've got to be working. Now, you need to also be focused on your financial and resource planning. So what planning have you done or you're in the process of doing it now in preparation for a more prolonged business slowdown? What if your revenue decreases 15%? What if your revenue decreases 30%? What if your revenue decreases 45% or over 50%? And you need to be doing that math. You need to be doing those calculations. What adjustments do you need to make if you're down in any of those four uh, situations and KPIs that I just mentioned? You know, what expenses do you have? You need to categorize those as essential to operation. These are, you know, nice to have, and these are absolutely non-essential that we could drop if we have to. You need to be thinking about that, uh, and so you can get your cash flow in line with whatever your drop in revenue is going to be, so that you have enough cash flow to be able to to survive, and you have enough liquidity um, uh, we call it, you know, gas and fuel in the plane to be able to make the trip and have a safe landing. So you need to be doing that financial and resource planning. I would put a, I, I tell you what I did. I put a line in my financials that I work on. I did a lot of work on them yesterday and I worked on them some this morning. I put a line in there that said COVID-19 and I put all the expenses in there that we could not, that we could do business and not have to spend, right? So I could see what the total number was versus what the total revenue was and, and kind of do it that way. And finally, now's the time, especially if you have some time at home or you have some downtime and you feel you need to be doing some planning, maybe you ought to start with doing a SWOT analysis on your business or in your organization. Strengths. Weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Strengths and weaknesses are internal to your organization. Opportunities and threats are external. We're in a little bit different situation now than we were three weeks ago or four weeks ago. So your strengths and weaknesses probably haven't changed, but the opportunities and threats may have. You know, if you're really fortunate, you'll find a strength that you knew that you didn't have right? You didn't know you had it, uh, that, that may be good to be used during this and after this. Hopefully you don't have weaknesses you weren't aware of. You have those surprises that pop up. Hopefully you find in this new environment, some opportunities, and hopefully you can keep the threats to a minimum. But if you have the time and you want to do some really powerful homework, You need to do a SWOT analysis on your organization for this modified condition that we're living in today economically and through our um, society. If you need help, you just reach out to me. My email is Tony at ClearVisionDevelopment.com. You can reach out to us through our website. You can follow me on Twitter at TonyRichards4. You can follow our company at ClearVisionDEV. Uh, you can find me on YouTube. You can find me on Instagram. Uh, I'm gonna, I have done and gonna be doing some Facebook Live videos with some of this same kind of information on it. Because now's the time for everybody to pitch in. Now, if you have a resource, if you have something that you can give to people that would be helpful. Last Friday, I wrote a blog called uh, "Leading Well in Crisis." Uh, Saturday in the Columbia Tribune, I had an article about a business checklist, more extensive, uh, and more detailed than what I just went over here. Um, Mondays, uh, we had the Monday morning memo, uh, on Monday that had a complete list of things that you need to be working through and thinking about with your team in this situation. And today we have our podcast. So we are leveraging everything we can think of to possibly get you some information and to be of help to you during this time. Well, that's our show today. Better Than Before is brought to you by University Subaru. Join us for the Subaru A Lot to Love event, and it's going on now at University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. You hang in there. You stay full of hope, peace, joy, and love. This is Tony Richards reminding you that everything gets better when you get
0: better.